Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a very, very nice crowd. Hello, Helen. Hi, J. Keith. Uh, Helen, do you have any exciting banter for us to begin the show with this evening? Let's see. I'm going to be doing a lot of international travel coming up. Oh, very exciting. Yes. Where are you headed? I'm going to Turkey to do a USO tour. Oh, very nice. Where... I intend to come back with a husband or a wife or an STD oh. or, you Oh, know, well. Or you, I bet you can get two fun. of those at least. <laughs> and then later in the summer, uh, I'm probably going to Kuala Lumpur. Oh, our yeah. neighbor to the east. Yes. Uh, west. Probably west. Yeah. If you keep going, you get, the, the, you get them either way. Yeah. Well, if you look on a map, it's kind yeah. of, you, you know, it's dealer's choice because eventually yeah. you will get there. Uh, I am uh, doing some international traveling as well. Where are you at? I will be headed to Singapore uh, in a few weeks. And you know what I love about that is I saw you post that on Facebook because you said some airline is just doing a crazy deal and you're just like, I'm just going to Singapore. I pretty much am, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, and dreading at the same time, is it's nonstop from L.A. It's an 18-hour flight. It will be the longest flight I've ever, I've ever been on. Wow. And are you, do you have a plan to get nope. through that? Do oh, you, like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have no plan. All I have booked like, is the flight. Like, how do you get through an 18-hour flight? Do you do, like, you, you can't do, like, calisthenics on Can the Can I tell you what I'm actually looking forward to? Uh, I've, I've gotten a job over the last uh, couple months, and I'm so behind on listening to podcasts <laughs> that I'm actually looking forward. I'm not just saying that because I want to listen. I've listened to this one, and I recommend anyone listening do so as well. Our show is very digestible when yes, it comes to yes. podcasts. Do you digestible guys- or entertaining. Let's see what it is tonight. <laughs> Tonight on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guests. Helen, who is up first? He stars on Speechless on ABC. It's John Ross Bowie. John Ross Bowie. Downtown Los Angeles. (laughs) That's right. Some say it's the arts district. I am so much hipper having been, uh, I think I've been down here for like 45 minutes and I think I'm in AWOL Nation now. (laughs) (laughs) Are you growing a tattoo on your neck? It's the damnedest thing, (laughs) yeah. It's bizarre. Uh, Do you get downtown much? Uh, Not as much as I'd like. I actually, I I like it down here because it's still, um, it's still uh, vaguely scary. Yeah. And I grew up in in midtown Manhattan and I I like a certain amount of adrenaline rush when I run (laughs) errands. Uh, I want that kind of lizard brain flight or flight thing going on when I, when I go to get an espresso. So it's, it's, I I love downtown quite a bit, actually. It's it's charming as hell down here. Now the neighborhood you grew up in, uh, in Manhattan, I believe is known as Hell's Kitchen. That is correct. Uh, Now, and that has become now, since uh, it earned that reputation, uh, quite a lovely area. How do you how do you feel about the way that it's uh, that it's been? Uh, I guess gentrified, or at least a lot more. No, you invested. can say gentrified. Okay, yeah, sure. yeah. It's um, it's the, it's the craziest. It was the craziest thing to watch in slow motion because. Mm-hmm. It was it was very very gradual, mm-hmm. and then uh, and it just there were literally just less and less hookers on my block <laughs> at night. <laughs> I, I, I saw uh, I saw a neighborhood in transition, and I had front row seats, and it was it was fascinating. It seems to be taking just a skosh longer here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. Oh, all right, we're doing and do what you, we can. Do you go back to your old 
place, like where you grew up, the actual place My where you grew mom up still and... lives in no. that apartment. Wow. My, oh my mom goodness. is still in that apartment, and they, because she moved into that apartment in 1974, they will carry her out of there. <laughs> there is no way she's giving that place up. Anything ever happens to her, it's the landlord. The landlord did it. I'm on record right now. Her landlord is the first one you question. Right. Looks like she just slipped on the stairs, John. Nope, check the landlord. <laughs> All right, now, John, uh, you, as we mentioned, are on the television show Speechless, which yes. just finished its second season. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We have some people who work on the show. Young Mike oh, over here works oh, on the show. Yes. Excellent. Uh, that's nice to see that people support each other, not just on the set. Yeah, and Minnie Driver's here. I'm kidding. What? She's not. Is that? She, she'd make the trip. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, now, you've guested on many shows, and now you're a series regular. Is, uh, what is that dynamic like to, 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 to switch that around? Uh, do you feel that you treat the guests different than maybe other shows do? I think at the end of the day, I'm very cognizant of our guest star's needs and mm -hmm. insecurities. Okay. And uh, I figure if they are a guest star, that makes me the host star. <laughs> okay. Oh. So I, I introduce myself. I make sure they know where craft services are located. I, I, I try to make them feel as welcome as possible because, yeah, I have like, you know, 65, 70 guest star credits of just wow. showing up on the set. Like, uh, yeah, that's uh, Gary Sinise. You're mad at him. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we had craft services, I would let you know where they are. Thank you. Uh, now, is this true? I read that uh, you when you got the gig, you were expecting to be fired at any moment. Oh, yeah. Okay, now oh, is that, yeah. and that wasn't just the usual actor neuroses. You, you, you had reasons? No, I just figured, like, it was, they cast me the night before the table read, like 9.30 p.m. the night before, because they clearly just needed someone to play the dad, and that's mm. not a great sign. And I had a feeling, <laughs> like, you, warm body, get over here. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and Minnie had only been cast about four days beforehand. It was what? all really, like, mm. people just were kind of scared off by, the, the show is about a, a family that, that has a, uh, an eldest son who uses a wheelchair uh, and is nonverbal with cerebral palsy. And I think some people got a little scared off uh, by that content. Mm. Um, so they were having trouble casting it. They, they cast Minnie, and then, then at 9.30 p.m. before the table read, they cast me. Wow. And I was kind of looking around going, well, I'm having a really good time here, and I'm going to ingratiate myself. But, yeah, this goes to series. It's Jason Bateman's role to lose. <laughs> There's... There's no reason a name isn't going to step in and take this yeah. job because it's a, it's a sweet gig. And when did I you don't... finally feel like, okay, maybe I can breathe and, and I have this? I will let you know. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, excellent. Well, we're certainly happy to have you, Mr. John Ross Bowie. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Mr. Bowie be competing tonight? She is a comedian who hosts the popular podcasts The Dork Forest and The Jackie and Lori Show. It's Jackie Cation. Jackie Cation. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, now, uh, Dork Forest is your podcast. You've been doing that for many years. How long now? Twelve years. Wow. I got in on the ground floor of a non-money-making thing. <laughs> Somebody. That's right. You know what the secret is? Volume. <laughs> I thought it was willingness. <laughs> Whatever. Or it the Zoom H4. But uh, <laughs> uh, but your your show oh, is a podcast. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, oh, yeah. it actually, it's a, it's H4N, but I don't want to uh, get in there. Well, this has been pod talk on. Uh, Welcome. Back this up. The Dark Forest is really a delightful podcast. Mm -hmm. It is a delight. Uh, it is uh, what I do is I interview people about what they love, and then I know mostly comedians, so it's plug and play, right? I mean. Like Will Anderson, Australian comic, uh, did uh, the history of cricket. And for an hour after the Dork Forest, I knew how to play cricket. You wow. guys. Wow. 
And it's and, gone. And, and did it, you? Did you try? No, no, I just knew. Oh, okay. Knew. Well, that's... And then it dissipated into the world. <laughs> and then there's a great episode with this woman who about maritime history. She saw Pirates of the Caribbean, the movie, fell in love with the idea of pirates, started studying British maritime history, mm-hmm. quit her job in administration at Disney to go to England and get her PhD in maritime history. What? Wow. And but I was but like, she already worked at Disney. Couldn't you just go to the ride? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I almost fell in love with her right there. That's I was right. like, you're the best. Ever. I'm in love with you just telling me about her. Like, I'm just. <laughs> How amazing that is that? That sounds amazing. She also very impressionable, this woman. Very impressionable. <laughs> I know. It's really good. Good thing she, she didn't did. see, you know, a space movie and end up uh, going out in space. I like where you went that was better. A terrible. You went example. to a better place. <laughs> no, that's all right. With the example uh, I was. Yeah. I want to ask about your other podcast, the Jackie and Lori show, which I think is such a great podcast for anyone who's interested in what it takes to be a working stand-up comic. Or plumber. (laughs) Really? Uh, Why why do you say that? Well, because it's it's genuinely just Laurie Kilmartin and I, who writes for Conan, has been doing stand-up comedy also since the 80s. So we are a couple of middle-aged white ladies talking about stand-up comedy. There's a lot of shows, I was telling you earlier, there's a lot of shows where there's middle-aged white guys talking about stand-up comedy ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. This is two middle-aged white ladies talking about comedy ad nauseum. We do talk about how the jokes are coming along yeah. and about how the how, how the stage time is coming along. And then we tell, when we run out of things to talk about, we talk about old stories. Yeah. Ab- about well, your, yeah. you and I recently had a really cool uh, incident where I saw you working on a bit oh where my gosh. Yeah. She was, Jackie was working on a bit where she explained the actual dictionary definition of flirting and I was in the back of the room and my head just exploded. <laughs> I From was like, the stage. What? <laughs> I, yes, and I have to say, I just had breakfast with my dad the other day who is an amazing flirt. He is not much uh, in the world of fidelity, uh, but he's a really good flirt, you guys. And, um, and I told him that de- dictionary definition. Which, and please, he, please share it, because okay. you, you guys, will, your heads will explode. Uh, except for they might be human. They might not be us. Okay, so, uh, because my mind was blown as well. The, the, to flirt is an interaction with another human being wherein that interaction, you make the other person feel attractive. And if you have not made the other person feel attractive, you have not successfully flirted. Whoa. And oh, applause. Applause for the dictionary. Applause break sure. uh, for where that I s- definition. Where I told Jackie, I was like, my whole life, I thought flirting was just letting the other person know that you would. That was the whole thing. That's what I thought. And, 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 the, and, and the story in the middle of it, which is, is better now, because I'm talking to my dad and I was telling him, because he hit on uh, one of my very best friends is Maria Bamford. Lady Dynamite, anyone? Mm-hmm, huh? Sure. Little Maria Bamford out there, fans. So he hit on Maria at my wedding. And... <laughs> My father at the time, 69 years old. Uh, Maria at the time, 33. And that's his favorite uh, kind of lady. Uh, <laughs> early 30s, tiny, blonde. That's his favorite kind of lady. And uh, she was telling, she told me not long ago, it was uh, several years later. She goes, I, uh, yeah, your dad hit on me at, at your wedding. And I was like, I am so sorry. And she goes, no, no, he was actually amazing about it. He didn't touch me and he didn't even say anything weird. I just got a, sort of a vague feeling that he thought I was pretty. And I was like, 
oh my God, he's magic, right? <laughs> it did. It did make me. Uh, you know, you find out that your dad's a flirt, and, and I knew it. But I, it's kind of awesome to find out that your dad's not a creep and an elbow squeezer. <laughs> like you know, have you ever been uh, met a dude and they el- squeeze your elbow uh, when they shake your hand? Yeah. You're just like, uh, not okay, not okay. Mm. Little PSA. Well, we're very happy to have you here, Miss Jackie Cation. <laughs> All right, Jackie and John, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside of your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. John, you said you know a lot about The West Wing. Uh, yeah, The West Wing was, is um, a, a show about which, I, I think I know a, about The West Wing the way a lot of people understand Star Trek. Like, I can tell you where a lot of those characters went to college, undergrad and graduate. Um, I the know characters? Which, uh, the characters. Yes. Um, I, uh, they all went I, to I the think, Academy. Yeah, I think they Jackie just found her Academy. next guest for the Dork Forest. Yes, I, yes I, please. You know, they're, they're not all lawyers. There's a joke that they're all lawyers. They're not. Not all of them have their JD. And it's... Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, oh, the hilarity. I think a lot of the, the, the really good, smart TV we have now mm. can, can trace its lineage back. Not just to West Wing, obviously. you got Sopranos around the same time. Um, but I think there's... a. I think there's a reason West Wing beat The Sopranos three years in a row for best drama. All right, well, we'll see oh. if we uh, talk more about that. Your other topic you said was Stephen Sondheim. Grew up in the theater district in New York. Uh, so just by osmosis? You... Uh, I guess by osmosis, and I, I discovered very early on that I like a musical where people die. <laughs> oh. Sondheim's like, uh, your guy. Yeah. And then finally, you said you know a lot about the 1986 New York Mets. I had been to Mets games before, but it was my first time just completely immersing myself in something sport related. Um, You can tell I'm kind of a jock. Um, (laughs) But I remember I I remember like leaping off the couch repeatedly during that series and it was it was such a uh, and then the more I've read about it since then it was such a fascinating because nobody that was the one where they beat the Red Sox who were in the middle of like their you know 75 year lull and nobody wanted the Mets to to win at all and there's a book called The Bad Guys Won that is about that year Um, and it's all just cocaine and infidelity but it's a fascinating team. All right, and Jackie, you said you know a lot about Marvel Comics since 2004. Yes, I, uh, uh, I had a native Sherpa, who my husband, <laughs> who brought me into a comic book store in, 19, in uh, 2004, in 1900. No, in 2004. And, uh, and so he was very much into, he's more Marvel than DC. And I w- w- weeded off and started picking a bunch of indie stuff. And he was like, Sure, we, I'll read anything. And so now we read a lot of Marvel and a lot of sort of uh, smaller press, but probably owned by DC or Marvel. <laughs> Great. So. You also said you know a lot about romance novels. Romance without finance is a damn nuisance. That's what Big Daddy Kane said in 1989, <laughs> you guys. And romance novels are a, a billion-dollar industry. Now, yeah, um, especially since the election, I've uh, probably spent $1,200 on romance novels. <laughs> Would that be for an escape of some kind, or...? Without a doubt. All right, very good. (laughs) And finally, this I I found very intriguing. You said you know a lot about chicken. Yeah, yeah, the eating of it, the preparing of it, the gift that a life of a chicken gives to me. (laughs) Vegetarians and vegans, I apologize. (laughs) Well, later on, we'll ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you give an incorrect answer, the other person does have a chance to take away some of those points. Your subjects today, fract and fiction. Up first, John with fract. John, while both are important to mountaineers, when climbing... Again, good question for a jock. (laughs) 
What is the difference between a crevice and a crevasse? A crevice and a crevasse. Uh, I will, uh, I am 85% sure that a crevasse is conspicuously larger than a crevice. Okay, that's uh, the briefest yet possibly most accurate answer we've ever had. We don't know yet. Jackie, if you don't think he's got it exactly right, you can try to steal the points. What do you think? A crevasse is clearly a French for ceviche. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Going is a what I'm way. saying. All right. I'm saying Do you want to hazard a guess just to, to try to get the point? Can I change my answer, Keith? <laughs> you, can, you cannot. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, so Jackie, you're doing... Ceviche threw you for a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't trust my instincts anymore. I'm down to like 63%. Okay, certainly. all right. Well, we must climb out of this segment. Let's go to Helen Halling at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A crevice is a small crack, nook, or cranny on any surface. When it's on a rock, it can be helpful to a mountain climber as a foot or handhold. A crevasse is a large, deep chasm, especially in a glacier. These are very dangerous to mountain climbers, particularly when they're concealed by snow, which can collapse like a trap door. How about an example, Helen? As an example, you could say, I almost fell into a glacial crevasse, but I was able to get my fingertips into a crevice in the rock and pull myself to safety because I have tremendous upper body strength. Wow. An autobiographical example from Helen Hong. So what does that mean as far as our scoring goes? I'm going to say that John got a point and a half because crevasse was accurate, but uh, you didn't really specify what crevice was, so. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Point and a half. All right. I'll take it. All I right. have to say that I have read the difference between a crevasse and a crevice in a Louis L'Amour novel, and he muscled his way up by sticking his fist into a crevice and then muscling his way up the sidewall of, uh, of a, um, a canyon that mm-hmm. was about to be flooded because it's a Louis L'Amour novel. And you, didn't, you didn't feel like bringing that up when you had the chance to uh, get the extra point? No. All right, very good. I just remembered it. Well, let's see what happens with, <laughs> let's see what happens with this one. Up next, Jackie, your subject today, fiction. Jackie, while neither are indications of the truth, what is the difference between fictional and fictitious? Fictional and fictitious. Fictional Mm -hmm. is entirely made from whole cloth. It is uh, something you have made up entirely from your own mind. Fictitious is an adaptation of a real event or person that has been fictionalized to uh, create uh, something fictitious. Said confidently? We'll find out if it's accurate. We do have Jackie's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. John, what do you think? Do you think she's got it right? It sounds right. I feel like fictional refers to story. Fictitious refers refers to location or characters. All right. Story yeah, like versus a, like location a, a, or character. A, but you would only refer to a, a town or a, a, a person as being fictitious. All right, well, let's close the book on this segment and go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Something is fictional if it comes from a made-up work of art, like a fictional character or town. It can also describe a made-up work of art, like a fictional book, play, or movie. Something is fictitious if it is meant to deceive in real life. When you call in sick to work, but you are not sick, you have a fictitious illness. When you tell your Tinder date that you are a hot air balloon pilot, but that is a fictitious job. Again, ripped from Helen's autobiography. Uh, How about an example combining both of those, Helen? As an example, I claimed to be married to the fictional character Captain Picard, but that is a fictitious statement, sadly. All right, what does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? I'm going to say Jackie got one point because she did get fictional correct, but fictitious, unfortunately. 
It's a perfect smoky eye, the fictitious. (laughs) (laughs) I almost want to give her a point for that. Oh, my God, me too. Can we get her a half Well, it's up to you. What does that mean as far as our scoring goes at the end of our first round? (laughs) At the end of the first round, John Ross Bowie has a point and a half, and Jackie Cation has one point. All right, those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Friendly Fire is a war movie podcast, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to it. Boy, I'll say. You know, a lot of people, Ben and Adam, might not initially watch a war movie podcast. What's in it for me, they say. Yeah. I'll tell you what's in it for you. What's in it for you is a biting socio-political commentary, uh, scattered dick and fart jokes. And a lot of history, like there's the depicted wars, but also the history of the time period that these films were made and released. They're very telling. So download Friendly Fire every Friday from your favorite podcatcher. Or MaximumFun.org. Hey everybody, we have the smartest listeners. We call them our after the fact checkers, and they just caught a couple of facts that we may have missed. First up, David Gelman reached out to us on Twitter about a fast fact from episode 11 with Edie Patterson versus Wayne Fetterman, specifically about our statement about the design of the 50-star U.S. flag being a school project that did not get an A grade. So David Gelman writes... Robert Heft initially got a B- minus for his 50-star flag design, but after it was chosen as the official design, his teacher updated his grade to an A. So in a way, Edie was correct. Now, we looked into this, and Mr. Gelman is right that Robert Heff, the student who designed the flag, said the grade for the project did go from a B- to an A. So Edie could be considered correct because the design ultimately got an A, even if we were correct because he initially didn't. But in a way, it's all moot since Edie won the game anyway. Yay! Next up, Justin Blackman wrote to us on Facebook about episode 12 with Drew Drogi versus Chelsea Crisp. Justin says, Love the show. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> was curious about the Amy Winehouse tiebreaker. Yes, now this tiebreaking question was about how many times Amy Winehouse sang the word no in the song Rehab. Justin continues, It seems like there are 26 NOs and KNOWs, which would have made Drew the winner. I demand a recount. Okay, we did say that there were 25 no's, and Justin says there are 26, so we did a recount. Who's right? Justin! Yeah, we somehow missed that one. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, counting is hard. Uh, thank you, Justin, but... But Chelsea Crisp guessed 21 no's, and Drew Drogi guessed 35, so Chelsea was off by four, but Drew was off by nine. So the recount changed the number, but not the outcome. Phew, we wouldn't want to have to play that game again. Woo. Thanks for keeping us on our toes, Justin. If you have a fact you think we need to double-check, let us know nicely, and we'll look into it. We do our best to make sure all our information is accurate, and when it isn't, we're relieved it doesn't affect the outcome of the game. Now, go fact yourself. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is John Ross Bowie with a point and a half and Jackie Cation with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thanks, Helen Hahn. Thanks, everybody. John Ross Bowie, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the West Wing, Stephen Sondheim, and the 1986 New York Mets. Today, we want to talk to you about the 1986 New York Mets. (laughs) Okay. All right. 
Uh, so again, tell us why the 1986 Mets uh, is something that you know a lot about. The, the Mets are the underdog in their own city. They always have been, <laughs> you know. They're from Queens, and, and you know, they haven't been around nearly as long as the Yankees, but they have, uh, even if you adjust for that, they have not won a lot of games in yeah, that, and not a, a lot of uh, series in that time. Can I ask how old you were in 1986 when the series was actually happening? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let me, sorry, let me you try can a... cut that. You can cut yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> let me try a slightly different that. approach. You let can me... cut that. Yeah. You can cut that. No, 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 like, we were, you, were you old enough to watch the series when it was happening in 86? Yeah, I was 15. The one wearing number one was Mookie Wilson. I mean, there was just great characters on that, on that team, and uh, it was a... Uh, a very, again, a lot of horrible, horrible people on that team as well. Uh, and it's just, it, they were a very interesting bunch. Uh, John, did you have a favorite player on the team in 1986? Um, it's a probably a tie between uh, uh, Mookie and Gary Carter. All right, very good. Um, the least cokey of the team. <laughs> Was the that the, the team? least addled of the team. All right, now just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the 1986 Mets to test your mastery in the to subject. To whom I apologize in advance. All right. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have an expert-level question with up to three points, but before that, to let you show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Jackie, do listen closely, because if John answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer, you can steal. Jackie, by the way, how much do you know about the 1986 Mets? Robin Yount. That's a guy who was on the 84 Brewers. That's true. <laughs> it's, clo it's closer than a lot of other guests that we've had. I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here is question number one for John Ross Bowie about the 1986 Mets. Where did the 1986 Mets play their home games? Shea Stadium. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. We are on the board. Ding! They should all go this well. <laughs> number two, who is the only member of the 1986 Mets who has been elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame? Baseball's Hall of Fame. Not is the it? Football Hall of Fame? No, no, yeah. sure. Yeah, good, good call. Uh, uh, leave it to the Mets to put a player in the Football Hall of Fame. You know, if, any, if any MLB team was going to pull yeah. off that stunt. Yeah. It took um, a wrong turn, ended up in Canton instead of <laughs> It's probably not the case, but I'll, I'll say Daryl Strawberry. Helen? That is not correct. Not correct. Jackie with a chance to steal. Pete Rose. Was it Pete Rose? <laughs> it was not Pete Rose. Thanks there are so playing. many reasons it's not Pete Rose. There's a few reasons why yeah, it's not exactly. Daryl, too. But. Yeah, exactly. You might be right. No, actually, it was someone you mentioned already. It was, it was Gary not, Carter. It was, it was Gary, Gary Carter. Carter. No, that's good for him. Yeah. Okay, glad to hear that. <laughs> All right, here's question number three. Let's see if we can bounce back with this. The 1986 Mets won more regular season games than any other team in the 1980s. How many regular seasons games did they win? Can we do prices right, closest without going over? No, but you do okay. make it available if you'd like I'll to I'll take a hand. Helen, how about that hint? Their winning percentage was 667. So just over the number of the beast. <laughs> Correct. If, if you round up, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 112. Helen. That is not correct. Not correct. Jackie no. with a chance to steal. 132. Helen? Also not correct. No, that would be a record. Uh, it was 108. 108. Oh, all right. Okay. So close, Fun fact, uh, that was the most since the Reds in 1975 also won 108. Was the, the 75 Reds, is Pete Rose on that team? I believe he is. Yeah. Oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> full circle. It all comes full circle. Look at that. Question number four. Which slugger and two-time World Series champion who once hit 50 home runs and won an MVP was released by the Mets in August of 1986? Oh, wow. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use it. I'll take this one, yeah. Helen, how about that second hint? 
He hit 52 home runs and won the MVP for the Reds in 1977. I will uh, say Lenny Dykstra. Was it Lenny Dykstra? It was not Not Lenny Lenny Dykstra. Dykstra. Jackie with a chance to steal. I have a feeling I know your answer. Pete Rose. Was it Pete Rose? <laughs> it I was, was not Pete Rose. Not Pete Rose. No, it was, was George Jerry, Foster. Oh, Jerry George Foster, Foster hit 50 home runs yes. and was MVP and was on the Mets for, for much of the season. All right, here finally is number five. The 1986 Mets, as we've mentioned, were known for being a wild team, both on and off the field. What nickname was given to the particularly rowdy trio of Danny Heap, Jesse Orozco, and Doug Sisk, who encouraged heavy partying on team flights? I believe they were called the Scum Bunch. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> wow. Whoever thought that would help you win something? Pulled it around, huh? (laughs) Pulled it around the last minute there. John, now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. Mm. Oh, you guys are so well-trained. Yeah, I really like it. Nice work. I like it. Appreciate you. All right, this question. Biscuit. Exactly. (laughs) This question is so high-level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. With its shocking comeback by the Mets facing elimination, Game 6 of the 1986 World Series has been called one of the greatest games in baseball history, spawning several books and movies. Most people remember the pivotal play where Mookie Wilson hit the ball down the line that Bill Buckner could not properly field. But we want to know what you know about the Mets pitching that game. So for up to three points, which Mets pitcher got the win, which Mets pitcher was the only one to appear and not give up a run, and who was the Mets starting pitcher? Oh, God. Um, I'm going to throw Lenny in there again, um, which is adorable for the first one. The outfielder, Lenny Dykstra? Yeah, that's all right. Who that's you thought had been idea. cut from the team? Fair enough. Not I knew he hadn't been cut from the team. I okay. just threw a name out there, okay? Even the people outside are laughing at that answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, are they, are they, is it us? It's us, right? They're laughing. They're, they're not just randos who are walking past the. Is that uh, the couldn't expert? Couldn't possibly be that. Is no, that the no. expert? Also, every motorcycle that drives by is here for us, too. Splendid. Yeah. Um, uh, the, um, I think Doc started the game. That was the starting pitcher. So you think Doc Gooden started it? I think Doc Gooden started it. Doc Gooden. Who, who came in and did not give up a run? Let's go with Daryl for that one. And uh, uh, I know. Okay. And uh, the um, and then the. I believe you've answered them all at this point. Okay, by the right, way, I mean you're right. welcome to change your answers. No, but I'm good. I'm I good. believe that you said that uh, the win was, uh, Lenny was by Lenny Dykstra. And then Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry came in and didn't give up a run, which would be especially impressive. And then Doc Gooden. And then Doc Gooden was the starting pitcher. Helen has taken note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have with us tonight? Here with us tonight via Skype, we have the host of the podcast. Bobby O's change of pace, and a member of the world champion 1986 New York Mets, it's Bobby Ojeda. Mr. Ojeda, are you there? Hello, Bobby Ojeda. Mr. Ojeda, I owe you a massive apology. (laughs) Don, listen, sometimes it's not the years, it's the mileage. I don't remember who started. I had to look it up. (laughs) You didn't have to say that, man, but I really appreciate it. Uh, Mr. O'Hara. It's an honor, sir. Thank you. Yes, it's, we're very oh, happy God. to have you here. My gosh, every kid who, wa- who who plays baseball dreams of being in the World Series and winning it. How did that compare to actually winning the World Series? Surreal. Surreal is probably the best way to put it because, like you said, every little kid dreams of it. And you're, you know, you grow up playing Little League. I used to sleep in my uniform. And then to reach the pinnacle of the big leagues is like that blows you away. But then to stand there in New York of, of the greatest city, as far as I'm concerned, I love it. I'm I born in L.A. and, you know, I'm a native California, but I fell in love with New York when I came here to win it in New York, uh, to be on that mound after game seven, drinking champagne. 
and looking at all those awesome Met fans and this big old gnarly stadium ready to fall down. It was phenomenal. It was just surreal. And then the parade down the, the Canyon of Heroes was over the top. What did you do with your World Series ring? I actually gave it to my father Aww. to wear because I felt he uh, he earned it. And uh, wow. then uh, I took it back. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> From my cold, dead hands. Yes. You gave it to him for like a day? <laughs> no, no, no. He had it for some years. Yeah. And then I said, well, hey, Dad, you know, I kind of like to wear that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he graciously gave it back to me. We mentioned in our, in our chat with John uh, and in one of the questions that the Mets had a reputation for being wild partiers. But, but you say a lot of that is, is, is myth and overblown. Um, yeah, a lot of it, you know, you, it's a lot, I, I can't lie, a lot of it is true. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you, you were arrested in a but, bar. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> weird, we were arrested in a bar, a bar fight, we're in thousands of bars and fights, but yeah, no, we got locked up. Was that the, was that the Houston arrest? Yeah, and, and uh, actually, uh, you know, as that year would work out, we played those guys yeah. to get to the World right, Series. Right, yeah, that was the playoffs, right. And, I know you, you you were absolutely right on the scumbunch in the back of the plane. Those are friends of mine, and I and that they love that moniker. <laughs> well, when we when he got locked up, uh, they called us pond scum. So something about scum and that team went together. <laughs> well, if you got a, if you got a brand, stick with it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> tell us about this podcast that you're doing now. You're hosting it. It's called Bobby O's Change of Pace. Yes, my daughter, my 26-year-old daughter, she's amazing. Uh, ever since I quit broadcasting, I kind of hang around and pet the dog and, you know, not really much exciting. And she's like, Dad, you got to do a podcast because I have six kids, five daughters and a son. None of them care about baseball. So if I'm watching a game and I get worked up and start talking about it, I, I, that's when I talk to the dog. No one cares. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so she said, Dad, you got to do this. So she handles all the uh, – the moving parts, the mechanics of the thing. And I have a producer, a good friend of mine, and, and we really, you know, I put a good effort into it because I, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna try to do it right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice to be uh, having my voice back out there again. And, and people are, you know, some people are digging it, so it's cool. That's terrific. Um, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked to John and the answers that he gave. Let's remind everyone. Uh, Helen, uh, first we asked in the 1986 World Series Game 6, uh, which Mets pitcher got the win? Helen, what did John Ross Bowie say? John said, Lenny Dykstra. No. I can't believe I have to ask that, but is that correct, <laughs> Mr. Ojeda? No. No. no, that's no. Not. Who got that's the win? Not. Uh, actually, Rick Aguilera got the win. He didn't throw so great, but he he really uh, it was a great guy, and he was looking. He was so depressed when we were losing, and it looked like we were gonna lose that thing. He wound up getting the W. Wow, that's wow. amazing. Then we asked him which was the only Mets pitcher to appear and not give up a run. Helen, what did John say? John said Daryl Strawberry. Did outfielder Daryl Strawberry appear and not give up a run? I apologize. He did, but not on the mound, and he he didn't give up a run. So you're sort of right, John. But that pitcher would have been Jesse Orozco. Jesse Orozco, the Mets closer who they brought in early. Yeah, I guess technically Daryl Strawberry didn't give up a run, but then again, neither did I. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, we asked him who was the Mets starting. I had an immaculate ERA. That yeah, yeah, that was great. You were, that will never be beaten. Uh, finally, uh, we asked John who was the Mets starting pitcher in that game. Helen, who did John say? John said Doc Gooden. And Mr. Ojeda, what is the correct answer? Well, that would be me, John. Okay, that was me, okay? <laughs> Biggest game of my life, but that's all right. Don't give it to me. Bobby, I, I want to let the record show that I have, uh, I'm going to pursue a career in the arts. <laughs> uh, John, while we have Mr. Ojeda on the, on the line here, anything you'd like to ask him or tell him? Will you ever forgive me? 
Uh, already forgiven, John. Absolutely. No need to forgive you. My goodness. It's cool. You're from New York. It's cool. You're from Hell's Kitchen. And uh, yeah, I love the city. I love it. And it was electric and you were part of that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm blowing smoke. I'm saying that because it was real. If I can date myself, if you remember Disneyland, they gave you the coupons to go on the rides and the e-ticket was for the Matterhorn and all the really cool rides. Well, that's what we were. We were an e-ticket. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, and Bobby Ojeda, if people want to find you, where can they uh, go listen to your podcast or find out uh, more about your work? You know, Bobby O's Change of Pace or BobbyO.com, and you'll find it. And uh, my daughter does an excellent job of directing the traffic to where it needs to go to hear the podcast. Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy that you joined us here. World champion, Bobby Ojeda, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Helen, how about a score recap after all of that? After that round, John Ross Bowie has three and a half points, and Jackie Cation has one point with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Jackie about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Jackie and John will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. You never know who you'll run into in Fairhaven, the city under the bubble. Allison Becker. Eliza Skinner. Keith Powell. Mucus-drenched imp monsters. Rob Corddry. Christelle Alonzo. Judy Greer. Grotesquely possessive carnivorous plants. Justin McElroy. Travis McElroy. Griffin McElroy. Terrifying, malevolent, sentient beards. John Hodgman. Paul F. Tompkins. Lisa Loeb. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. Do you like trivia? Well, you're listening to a trivia podcast, so I'm guessing yes. Well, you know what? I do too. In fact, aside from hosting Go Fact Yourself, a highlight of my week is playing in a live trivia night with friends at a local bar. And the great people at Geeks Who Drink host weekly live trivia nights in over 1,000 bars, restaurants, and craft breweries in 48 states. It's free to play, you can win prizes, and the trivia is top-notch. Their editor-in-chief is six-time Jeopardy! champion Christopher Short. And if you really want to put yourself to the test, check out Geek Bowl, America's largest trivia night, hosted annually by Geeks Who Drink. The next Geek Bowl will be in Las Vegas on March 2nd, 2019. For information on Geek Bowl, weekly trivia nights, or their special theme quizzes, go to geekswhodrink.com. That's geekswhodrink.com. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is John Ross Bowie with three and a half points and Jackie Cation with one point. Here again, Jakey Venstratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Jackie Cation, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Marvel Comics since 2004, romance novels, and chicken. Today we're going to ask you about... Oh, I so want it to be chicken. Marvel Comics since 2004. (laughs) Has everyone seen all the movies? Uh, now, why Marvel? Why not DC or, or any of the other comics that you are You know, out it's there? interesting. Um, I have tried to read some DC, and I've read DC. Um, I, the bad guys in Marvel are more straightforward. They're more like, I would like to be rich, thus I am a villain. Mm-hmm. In DC, they're, I've gone mad. and there's nothing that creeps me out more than insanity and uh, violent violent insanity is one of the creepiest things in the world so I'm gonna go with almost all the Marvel super villains uh, than your your DC super villains Uh, do you track uh, the different artists and writers of the stories or you just read whatever's Um, there so you know I'm I'm, as I've said I'm I'm like 14 years in so I don't know as much as like I'm married to a long box by the way that is a sex joke (laughs) 
the, uh... It's funny because you spent your singer years bagging and boarding. <laughs> Boom. Ladies and gentlemen. It's a double mic drop. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, um, so all of his, I mean, like, genuinely watching a movie with him and his, and uh, some of his older friends that he's had for a long time, right? These friends that he's had for the last 30 years. But, like, he plays D&D. Like, I play D&D with these guys, too. And just sitting there, and then we leave, and I, you get the backstory of the bass relief on a, <laughs> on the Thor building <laughs> in Ragnarok. And yeah. you're like, Oh, I, uh, yes, Beta Ray Bill was on that wall. I saw that. <laughs> what did it mean? Nothing? Oh, good. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> except for the, then, of course, his ex. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just for closure. Sure. Now, uh, yes. Oh, I was just asking if there are, as, as you've read comics over the years, are there particular artists or writers that, who, whose stories that you uh, enjoy more? Well, you know, uh, Tanahishi Coates is writing the Black Panther uh, series right now. And here's the funny thing about that. I only know him from the Black Panther series. <laughs> turns out he's a big deal. He's been, uh, turns out he's been working it. Uh, uh, he's, a, he's a very prominent uh, yeah, Not a lot of Pulitzer winning comic book writers these wow. days. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, he's amazing. And yeah. then um, the... Uh, G. Willow Wilson is writing Ms. Marvel, and Ms. Marvel is uh, a, college, uh, a high school girl who is uh, from a very strict Muslim family living in New Jersey, and uh, she's adorable. Anything by Brian K. Vaughn, yeah. uh, almost anything by Dan Slott, uh, uh, anything by Brubaker. Brubaker does a lot of noir. Do you have any aspiration to, to write a comic yourself? I am writing. Uh, I wrote I wrote my first script uh, for a comic book for Starburns. Uh, it's just eight pages. Wow, yeah. wow that's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. What would it feel like to, to see your name on a comic? Uh, it would genuinely. It's amazing that they asked me to do it because yeah. I have always wanted to have written a book. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of work to write a book. Yeah. I've never wanted to write a book. I want to have written a book yeah. and to be critically acclaimed. Well, you certainly sound like you're on your way. <laughs> All right, now just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Marvel Comics to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question. Before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are your five trivia questions, each worth one point. And if you want it, there are a total of two hints for these five questions. John, of course, if Jackie gets any of those wrong, you can steal. I suggest not guessing Pete Rose, but you never know. Uh, by the way, John, how much do you know about Marvel Comics since 2004? Uh, nowhere near as much as uh, nowhere near as much as Jackie, but I'm a I'm a sort of a, a comics dilettante. I, I, I dip my toes in here and there. I I uh, I, I nodded uh, sagely at a couple of references you made. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see how you both do. Here's your first question about Marvel Comics since 2004. Jackie, this question starts with a list. Pickup truck driver, librarian, strip club DJ, hot dog vendor, beauty pageant judge, man mistaken for Hugh Hefner, man mistaken for Larry King. Each of these characters was portrayed on film by what legendary comic book writer? Stanley. Ellen? That is correct. It was Stanley. The first thing that came to mind was Jack Kirby. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> A single tear. <laughs> Uh, those also were your, your last week of dates, I understand, Helen. Yes, yes that that's time. exactly right. Yes, um, week and a half. Daredevil's week cover jobs for <laughs> yeah. a little while there. <laughs> All right, you're doing very well. Jackie, here's question number two. Which of Spider-Man's nemeses stole his body and assumed his identity as the superior Spider-Man? Doc Ock. He Ellen? was amazing. That is correct. That is correct. Dr. Not Octopus, if you guys get a chance, read that arc. That's an amazing... Uh, it came right out of Spider-Verse. Knock yourselves out. 
<laughs> Here's question number three. Which of the following is not a Marvel Comics character? Black Bolt, Black Beetle, Black Cat, Black Box, Black Tom Cassidy. I will take a hint. Helen, how about that hint? It begins with black. Oh, no. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh. Black <laughs> Bolt's real name is Blackagar Boltagon, king of the Inhumans in Marvel Comics. That's the hint? Yeah, so the hint is, is that Black Bolt is not the answer. We eliminated one of the answers for you. Allow me to whisper very softly. Boo. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I'm going to go as with... helpful as it begins with black. <laughs> mm, yes, to some extent, because uh, I read Black Bolt. Uh, so uh, I'm going to guess, and I'm going to say Black Cat. Helen, that is not correct. Not correct. Don with a chance to steal. What are the What are the names again? Uh, black Bolt, Black Beetle, Black Cat, Black Box, Black Tom Cassidy. Black Beetle. Helen? That is correct. It is Black Beetle. Wow. Second choice. Good call. Good call. Black Beetle is a real DC character. Yeah. All right. Uh, question number four. Wolverine was cloned as a female named X-23 or Laura. Laura, in turn, was also cloned ten times. Nine of those clones died or quit the superhero business, but one of them stuck around and took on a superhero code name. What was that name? I'm going to need the other hint. Helen, how about that other hint? She don't care. She takes what she wants. Calgon? Was it Calgon? <laughs> was not Calgon. Not Calgon, although that was an answer in a previous episode we had to an entirely different question, so it's interesting. Uh, John with a chance to steal. Laura 10. Was it Laura 10? It was not Laura no, 10. No, it was Honey Badger. That's the hint we were trying to give you. Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger takes what she wants. You know, I'm really glad it wasn't Pete Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. All right, let's see if you can bounce back at question number five. When Bruce Banner went to work for S.H.I.E.L.D., he joined a division called TIME, T-I-M-E. What does TIME stand for? You can pull yeah, it out. Time. Uh, take me away, Calgon. Um, let's see. Uh, time. Time. And I don't have any... Um, no more hints available. I'm sorry. No more hints. Uh, this is my expedition. Helen? Nope. It is not this is no, my expedition. No, it may have been, but it is not what it stands for. John with a chance to steal. Uh, tactical, integrative, mechanical endeavors. Nice. I want one of those. That sounds amazing, yeah. but not correct. Not correct. No, no, this was tricky. It was the temporal irregularity management and eradication. Temporal. <laughs> I didn't choose comics. She's the one who chose it. <clears throat> All right, Jackie. Your mind looked legitimately blown for a second. Yeah. I've never does even it, heard of it. Does it ring a bell? It doesn't ring a bell. All right. No, we'll, no, maybe we'll I, find uh, out more about that in a minute. Last Hulk I read was the Gray Hulk. All right. Anyway, go ahead. But now, here's your expert-level question. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. Cluster fact. Ooh. Ooh you and we will that. be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The correct answer is worth up to three points. Here we go, Jackie. Between 2004 and now, there have been four presidential elections. During one of them, the amazing Spider-Man teamed up with a presidential candidate to defeat a villain. For up to three points, who was the candidate, who was the villain, and who wrote that story? Barack Obama, mm -hmm. Norman Osborn, and Dan Slott. All right, Helen is taking notes of those answers. Helen, you got those answers written down? All right, we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have here tonight? Here with us tonight is an Eisner Award-winning comic book writer who's written for DC, Boom Studios, and Marvel Comics. It's Mark Wade. Mark Wade. <laughs> Jackie's draw has dropped to the floor. They're embracing. It's, it's, 
It's Mark Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Wade. Hello, Please sir. Please speak into that microphone. How there. are you? Very well. Jackie, how are you is the question. Very excited. I like, <laughs> I like that you open your mouth and a feather came out. I know. Out. Yeah, that was something. She was literally speechless. I'm an speechless. enormous fan. Thank I've been you. A, you are an well, amazing well, writer. Well, clearly, as you name-checked me from the... Uh, from uh, nothing. Exactly. It's yeah. like, I know, it's the worst. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I when I was asking Jackie who are the favorite writers that she follows, I don't remember I, hearing that name. I don't... I know, I completely spaced your name. I, That's all right. Uh, luckily, all... I didn't say Jack Kirby. That's all right. All good. All good. All good. All good. We're all, all friends good. here now. Now, t- tell us, for those who don't know, what are some of the Marvel comics that you've written? Mark? I've I've been doing this for 34 years. So wow. I, there's literally no Marvel character wow. I have wow. at some point or another. Uh, I have long runs on Fantastic Four, long runs on Daredevil, uh, long runs on Captain America. I've done that four or five times. I'm doing Captain America right now. Uh, and I've been, I really, I, there's no place in the Marvel Universe I haven't set foot at some point. That's amazing. What, Did you write it? Doctor Strange? I am, in fact, writing Doctor Strange starting in June. Wow. <laughs> well, can I you give us it. here, just, just the people here, can you tell us what's going to happen in that, uh, that, that uh, issue? <laughs> No? Are spoilers a thing in comics as well? I wasn't aware. No spoilers. All right. Well, Jackie mentioned that uh, many arcs from the comic books have ended up in movies. Anything that you've written in the comics has ended up on screen that we've seen? Not so much in the Marvel Universe, but uh, the DC stuff that I did. I've also done a lot of DC stuff. And uh, every time I hear the word Speed Force on the Flash TV show or in the movies, my little heart grows three sizes. Because that that was your creation? That was me. And and also the... the S stands for hope. That's uh, that's from Superman. That's that's me. No so way! I'm very happy. Yeah. That's so cool. That makes me very very happy. Yeah. Now Jackie mentioned that she's about to have her first comic uh, published that yeah. she's written. Uh, what was your first? What do you remember about that? And how did how did you get that gig? I. I could not have it kind of come any better. I wanted to write comics, uh, but I didn't really want to be a comic book writer. I had no ambition about being a comic book writer at all. You have that in common with Jackie. No, you just want the book to no, have been written. Absolutely not. Yeah. I wanted to be an editor. I wanted to be an editor, and really? so I went on staff as an editor at DC Comics worked there for a couple of years and the beauty of that was because I was working with so many different Mm. writers and all those scripts were coming across my desk Mm. it was like boot camp and I would learn more in those two years about writing than I would have learned in 10 years on my own and so going freelance from there that was 89 and I've never had to look for a gig since I'm really happy wow what was the first comic that that you wrote I wrote an action comic Superman story for legendary editor Julius Schwartz very cool how does someone start being a comic book writer these days, if they wanted to, to start it. Obviously, there's a lot of people who would love to do what you do. You know, the cool thing is, the, the my answer 10 years ago would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. It would have been, print up your own comics at Kinko's and take them to conventions and send them to editors. Mm-hmm. That's, you don't have to do that anymore. Right. Now you just go to FedEx office instead. No, no, no. You, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's just like that. You can throw your comics up on the web, and you can be a comic book creator tomorrow. We are all potential. Everybody in this room is a potential comic book creator. It, all you need is you know, a place to host. You need a website. That's all you need. There's all you're going to lose if you do your own work and put it on, on the web. You're not going to be able to monetize it immediately, necessarily. Right. But you're losing sweat equity. That's all you're losing. How, how has that democratization uh, affected, if at all? Everything. Everything. Even, even, the, even the big time. Absolutely. DC that stuff. is where new talent is drawn from these really? days. Really? Yeah. Yes. You because, just find like yeah. random websites of people that have just well, put up it's their It's a work. very. It's a, the online comics community is very uh, social and very helpful to each other. So they're you know you tag your favorite artists, you tag your favorite writers. They see it. They recirculate it. They like it. They recommend it. Mm. And it and it can go viral that way with them. And the beauty of doing your stuff online. Let's say you're doing a. a webcomic and you're doing it for six, like a, a page a day for six months or a page a week for six months, whatever. As an editor, 
I look at the work and not only do I see, hey, this is really good, this is interesting, but you have been able to do this on a regular basis for mm. weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. You have a work ethic that I can count on when I hand you a script rather than worry that I'm going to hand you a job and you're just going to vanish because you can't handle it. Now, you obviously go to a lot of uh, conventions yes. and, and Comic-Cons. One of the things I hear that uh, you actually are a, a very competitive trivia player I at Comic-Con. I am, in fact, a very competitive trivia really? player. Yes, I am, yes. How, how, do, how well does your team do, usually? It, uh, well, generally, I am my team. Oh, okay. This is, this is, this is, sure. this is generally... A little leader of man. In Chicago, we, we, in Chicago, 10 years ago, we ran into a situation where, for whatever reason, my other three compatriots couldn't make it. So it was just me mm. versus the team. And then that's been me versus the team ever since. Oh, wow. And, and do, do you have to study, or is this just from knowledge that you've absorbed it, over the years? It is sadly just knowledge I have absorbed <laughs> over the years. It is... It, it is tragic. Ask me my senator's name. I don't know, but I can, I can, t- I can tell you every member of the Kryptonian Science Council. So. That's fun. So when fans come up to you and want to talk about a specific issue or a specific moment or a specific character, you usually are... are yeah. You, you don't struggle to try to come up with... What was that again? No, it's just not, just generally that's true. That's, that's true. It's, you, you make it sound a lot more impressive than it really is. Okay. True. <laughs> you make it sound like a lot more useful life skill than it really is to know where Ace the Bat Hound first appeared. <laughs> it, that's what the show is all about, is exactly. making that Technology useful. There you go. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked Jackie. As a reminder, Helen, let's uh, go over those again. Uh, we asked Jackie who was the presidential candidate that the Amazing Spider-Man teamed up with to defeat a villain. Helen, what did Jackie say? Jackie said Barack Obama. And Mark Wade, is that right? That would be incorrect. Who was the correct answer? That would be, and you'll remember this was accurate at the time, Stephen Colbert. That's right. He was running oh, he was he was running for in South Carolina. That and you was, wrote a story about that's that. That's right. Or there was a, and rather, there was a story written about yes. that. Uh, we asked Jackie who the villain was in that uh, arc. And Helen, what did Jackie say? Jackie said Norman Osborn. And? Well, no. What does Stephen Colbert hate more than anything? What's on his, what was on his list of things he hated? Bears. Bears. He fought the grizzly. Oh, I, I literally can picture there you go. the Colbert. Uh, it's sitting at Earth Two Comic Book Store, yeah. is what my where my pull list is. Yeah. It's the Col- it's Colbert fighting the grizzly bear. Yep. And then finally, uh, Helen, we asked Jackie who wrote that story. Helen, what did Jackie say? <laughs> Jackie said, <laughs> as Mark. You just got ohated. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I aren't did. you glad Bobby wasn't in person now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jackie well. said Dan Slot. And uh, Mark Wade, who did in fact write that? I'm afraid that was not Dan Slot. It was not. That was a young upstart named Mark Wade. <laughs> named Mark Wade, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my second guess was Kurt Busiak. Okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, Mark, where did that story arc come from? How did that come to be? That was literally we got a deal at Marvel to do a, a five-page Stephen Colbert story because he's in the Marvel and he's, it was a deal. Stephen uh, Joe Casada who uh, is a high ranker at Marvel would go in and do the show a couple of times, and you know he's obviously a big comics fan. So that was an opportunity that came around, and I couldn't pass that up. Excellent. And Mark, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they find you? Uh, let's see. I'm MarkWade.com, and I'm doing uh, Doctor Strange in June. I'm doing Ant-Man in June. I am finishing up a Captain America run now. So I'm all over the place. Excellent. And if you want to talk to him about anything he or anyone else wrote, you know, you know who to ask. <laughs> right, exactly. Let's thank Mr. Mark Wade for being here. Mark Wade. Helen, let's get a recap of our scores at the end of that round. At the end of that round, John Ross Bowie has four and a half points, and Jackie Cation has three points. That's right, but it's still anybody's game as we go into our final round that we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with John and alternate between each guest and keep the discussion to a minimum. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will 
determine the winner. Here we begin. John, the Nobel Peace Prize is named for a guy named Nobel. Correct. True. Correct. That's right. Alfred Nobel. Jackie, the Nobel Peace Prize is given out in Italy. False. Correct. That's right. All Nobel Prizes are given in Sweden except for the Peace Prize, which is given in Norway. John, the Nobel Peace Prize has been awarded every year since 1901. Um, false. Correct. That's right. It started in 1901, but there are several years where it was not awarded at all. Jackie, Barack Obama won a Nobel Peace Prize. True. Correct. John, Al Gore won a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, I don't know that it was actually a Peace Prize, but I'm going to say true. Correct. Okay. Jackie, Mikhail Gorbachev won a Nobel Peace Prize. True. Correct. John, Yasser Arafat won a Nobel Peace Prize. False. Incorrect. Jackie, Theodore Roosevelt won a Nobel Peace Prize. True. Correct. John, Henry Kissinger won a Nobel Peace Prize. He did. True. <laughs> Correct. And finally, Jackie, Mahatma Gandhi won a Nobel Peace Prize. False. Correct. Yeah, why give one to him? What did he do? Tough Let's crowd. give a nice hand to both of our guests, John Ross Bowie and Jackie Cation, as Helen Hong tallies our final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on tonight's episode of Go Fact Yourself? I am. At the end of the game, John Ross Bowie has eight and a half points, and Jackie Cation has eight points. Whoa, what a close game. Congratulations, John Ross Bowie. You are the facting champion. What will you do with your championship? I will uh, fly to, uh, to uh, New York and apologize to Bobby Ojeda in person. <laughs> An excellent use. All right, we're going to give our uh, guests here a chance to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Jackie Cation, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? Uh, I, JackieCation.com is my website. I do stand-up comedy. You can also go to FamilyPetAncestry.com if you want to know if your cat came over on the Mayflower. Because <laughs> that will lead you to JackieCation.com. <laughs> I cannot wait. Jackie Cation, always fun to have. John Ross Bowie, where can people see you? Uh, I am on the, the uh, social media, uh, except for Snapchat, because as Helen pointed out, I'm 46. And I am in the uh, doing something incredibly, incredibly silly, which will have aired by this point uh, on the season finale of The Big Bang Theory. Oh, we'll certainly Ooh. look for that, Mr. John Ross Bowie. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are very lucky people, in no small part, because your co-host is Miss Helen Ong. You can find me on all the social medias at... Funny Helen Hong, because as I've mentioned before, some other biatch named Helen Hong has my handle. And is she funny? Nope. All right. I'm the funny one. Excellent. She sure is. Miss Helen Hong. Uh, and me. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves us to thank Mr. John Ross Bowie, Ms. Jackie Cation, Bobby O'Hadam, Mark Wade, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. <laughs> Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Ray Boozer did. He said, in an alternate universe, I am married to Helen Hong. Oh. Thanks, Ray Boozer. I am. Helen? I'm swept away by that. Uh, send me your handle, Ray Boozer. Let's compare handles. And by that, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> How about those credits, Helen? Go 
show Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. David McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Leora Saul, Mike Avellanos, Bob Skier, Warren J. Cox, and Ruth Mora of Galaxy Comics, Stella Chow, Cody Lawrence, Daniela Zeltzer, and Christine Velada. I've been Helen Hong. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.